Hi, this is Pastor Bob. There's many pastors, many ministers today afraid to stand up and tell their congregations about what's going on in the world. They simply say, well, the world let it do it. We're going to separate ourselves from the world. We're only going to preach and teach the gospel and the word of God. There comes a time to stand up. We're going to call this particular series, which lasts two days, Correcting the King. When is it time to correct the king? We'll talk about the word of God and keep it in balance from what the scriptures have to say. Let's go to the word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. It is great to have you here today. Great day, isn't it? I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to take a look at verse 40 here coming up in just a moment. And this is the sermon that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. What a powerful, powerful message this is. And so uh, actually this sermon is one of three of the great sermons of the New Testament. His first, Stephen's, was next in the end of chapter 6 and chapter 7 of the book of Acts. And there he preached one incredible, and he was a deacon in the church. Uh, here we have Peter who had a problem even staying in fellowship with God, centered on himself, bragging on himself, wide swing, up and down, in and out man. And he preached this incredible sermon after the Holy Spirit came upon him. And with Stephen, we have a deacon in the church. I mean, this guy was, you know, he ushered front doors and and helped the widows with the food and things like that. And here he was preaching a great sermon. Again, the second great sermon of the New Testament. Then Paul on Mars Hill is the third one. Three great sermons. Of course, the first one here is dedicated uh, to the day of Pentecost and the introduction of the church age. And Peter got that great, great privilege of doing this. So we'll talk about this here in just a moment because I want to bring out one statement that he made, Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. I'll get there in just a second. But again, I want to just say thank you. If you're watching for the first time, glad to have you here today. It's great to have you around uh, to join a great group of people that have been watching me for a long time. I didn't just start this ministry. Actually, I pastored for 33 years. Before that, I was four years teaching at Rama Bible Training Center, and I became the dean of instructors. I always like to say that because I didn't have a degree. They just, they asked me to be that. So who wouldn't say yes to that? And uh, what a privilege it was to be there, but what a great preparation also for becoming a pastor. And for 33 years, I taught the word of God. In fact, my greatest desire, love, is to do what I'm doing right here with you. And that's teach students of the word. That is, again, I love Bible school students. And when I took my church, I said, this is my great love. So guess what I'm going to do? As long as I'm pastoring here, you're going to be my class and I'm going to teach you like Bible school students. And uh, believe me, they went away smarter than when they came. I had to study hard for the next one, but they came away smarter the next service. And this is just the way it went for th some 33 years. I just love doing it. And I'm continuing that today. Honestly, the ministry hasn't changed that much. It's just now the recipients of it. Now I'm doing it through a TV screen, but going around the world. I started with a few students in a Bible training center, and then I went to a church that we had many, many attending at that dot time for many, many years. Sit many, many pastors, missionaries, evangelists out around the world, those who worked in ministry organizations. And then I'm getting to teach, again, those who are uh, sitting at home, but also pastors and ministers. And again, if you're watching for the first time, we welcome you. If you're watching for the 10th time, we welcome you back. And I begin to ask you now for those that uh, are been watching for some time and joining those who've been watching for a long time, then why don't you just become a partner with me? Just pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit. There's two ways you can know what to give. 
Okay, first of all, ask in your heart, Holy Spirit, what would you like for me to give? If he doesn't answer you, then just fall back on what you do know, because the Bible says you can give as you purpose in your own heart. Just set yourself a figure and then give it out of faith, give it out of love for souls and watch God begin to bless you back. That's just the way it works. I'm not asking for your tithe. That belongs to the church. I'm asking for offerings above that. And so again, I've said this before, but there's two things God will never tell you when you get to heaven. Number one was you went to church too much. And number two, you gave way too much money into the kingdom of God. You will get to heaven thinking I should have gone to church more. And man, I should have taken more opportunity to give of the money I had into the kingdom of God because of the great rewards I get. All right. If you want to become a partner with me, go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. And thank you in advance for those who are listening to God. And thank you in advance for those that are purposing in your own heart what you're going to give. And thank you for joining this great group that supports me already. Acts chapter two and verse 40. The Holy Spirit has descended in the upper room. 120 filled with the Holy Spirit came down from there speaking with other tongues. And as it says in Isaiah chapter 28, with stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak to this people? Peter stood up and preached a sermon he had never heard before, probably pulling out verses from the Old Testament like, oh, I didn't know that. Wow. And so suddenly things were starting to form inside of him. He saw the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so that sermon was incredible. Because of that, this man that backed down a few days earlier in front of a little girl that stood around a fire with him and said, aren't you one of his disciples? He said, no. She said, I know you are. I saw you. No. The third time he cursed God cursed at her, cursed God to let her know he was not a Christian, although he was, he was just deeply in conviction. And now we see this same man that denied Jesus in front of one little girl standing in front of a great, huge group of religious Jews from every nation under heaven that came to the Feast of Pentecost. And they were there in the streets covering it. And out of that gigantic group, 3,000 Jews, devout Jews, gave their lives to Jesus Christ. I'd say there was a change in Peter's life, wouldn't you? That's what the Holy Spirit can do in your life. I want you to notice though what he said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, because what I want to talk about today, possibly tomorrow, we're going to talk about, well, is it all right to bring up things that you disagree with your government on? Is there things you disagree with the generation on? Is there sin in the streets you disagree with on? And listen, the church is a great place to preach it, but also we find it's been preached in the streets. Look at this in Acts 2.40. With many other words, I love this. What he's simply saying was a long sermon. Boy, Peter could preach a long sermon. And uh, so you probably know lots of ministers that can preach long sermons. It just says, with many other words, in other words, a great long sermon, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. The Greek word for perverse means filthy. It means a stain that's very difficult to get out, a filthy stain that's on you, such as, you know, manure, something off the street, something gets into you and it eats and gets actually gets embedded into the fabric, hard to clean out. He said, that's what this generation is. It is filled with filth perverse generation. It's all right to call this present generation exactly what it is, polluted and perverted. And we are living in a time period when the general population of our country and the world is polluted and perverted at this time, turning away from the gospel, turning away from the truth of the word of God, turning away from righteousness and turning to all other forms of things. And this is why Peter used this word on the day of Pentecost. We also need to be on the streets of the world, giving the message of salvation first, which is exactly what he preached, then truthfully telling this generation what it looks like to the Lord and to us as Christians 
but letting them know that God loves you because Jesus died for you in that filth. Jesus died for you in that perversion and he did it so he could bring you out and there's no depth you can go to that faith in Jesus Christ will not turn your life around and set you on the right road. Correcting our nation and correcting the king is not our main ministry, but it is part of it. Don't push it off to the side and say, well, you know, we're supposed to walk in love toward people. Walking in love toward people is correcting them when they need to. The Bible says that when God corrects us, he does it in love, chastening us in love. In love, he chastens us. And this is what we're doing with the world. We're taking the word of God and there's times that you have to chasten them. This is God through his word, doing it through us correcting our nation, and the king is also part of our main message. This is the main message of salvation, but also there's the secondary part to it, and that is, again, like I said, correcting our nation, correcting the king, correcting those in leadership, and then correcting the attitudes of the people on the street that follow after it. Basically, what we have today is a mental battle, and the Satan is after the minds of people that don't follow Jesus. He's also after the minds of those who do follow Jesus to change their mind but God has given to us the mind of Christ, that is the word of God. So really the key to walking in the greatness of the kingdom of God is first of all, be saved, but next of all, become a disciple. And those are the two parts of the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, then go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So speaking out against sin in public and also in churches is something that we find in the New Testament. Paul did it. And here we'd have it in these verses of scripture. I'm just going to name you some scriptures where literally this was done in public, some by Jesus in public, some by the disciples in public, and then others like Paul that taught, taught this to congregations. It's all right to bring up the things about our generation, the things that are going on that are wrong and the sinfulness. I like it when ministers, my minister does it, my pastor does it, speaks out openly against the perversion of our nation and the killings within our nation and abortions, things like that, but also the evil that's going on within schools and the teachings that's going on in schools. And again, the great swing we have away from the things of the word of God and the great divisions that are come into our nation and the world because of all what the God of this world is telling them and that's Satan himself. Let me just give you some examples. Jesus preaching in Matthew 17, 17 says, O faithless and perverse generation. This word perverse is tied in directly with the word we just talked about that Peter used on the day of Pentecost. It means, oh, faithless and twisted, perverted, or stained and polluted generation. And again, we just use that in the verse we had, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 39. Again, Jesus speaking here to the Pharisees said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. There was a multitude there filled with, uh, you know, Gentiles and Jews, but also believers and unbelievers. And the moment they said, well, just, just give us a sign. I'm sure even the Christians went, uh, yeah, yeah. The believers went, uh, yeah, go ahead and do that. And here's what Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation. Evil is unbelievers and adulterous is believers. And he's saying to the evil ones, he said, you're seeking after a sign and you're evil for doing so. He said to the believers, an adulterous generation seeks after a sign. In other words, you know, you're, you're related to the Lord, but now you're acting out side of that, you're committing adultery, spiritual adultery. And of course, this is a term used throughout the Old Testament for believing Israel when they went after other gods. And also in the Jesus day where he had believers in front of him that were seeking after the law and seeking after signs and wonders, or even trying to manipulate Jesus as they were doing at that time. Acts chapter two and verse 15. Here we have it spoken here that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked 
and perverse generation. Here again is what Peter was speaking on the day of Pentecost. Here's what God had been speaking to his people and call them again at that time that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked that is a bent and warped and perverted. They use this term quite a bit, a perverted generation, polluted by sin and stained by sin. And Acts chapter four, verse 19 and 20. And here we have when the disciples were uh, brought in and told never to preach again in the name of Jesus. And here's what they said to them in public, in this public meeting. Well, here's what they said to them. Hear you more than God, you judge. And so he said, if you think we're hearing you, and then we're going to hear God, and then we're going to do what you ask you to. He says, no, no. If you put us between us and God, and you and God, then we're going to have to go with God. He says, and you make the judge of that. Should we listen to the word of God, which you stand behind, or should we listen to God? We're going to follow God. And I love this one too. And this is in Philippians 2.15, where Paul is speaking to one of the best, the best discipled uh, congregations that became followers of his, even disciples of his, even those who joined him as partners, he said of the world, we live in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. A crooked and perverse crooked basically is exactly that. They're aimed in the wrong direction and they've, their life is crooked, but also they've become perverted. This is the generation we also live in. And ministers, pastors, don't be afraid to stand up and tell your people exactly what the world is according to the word of God. I'll see you right after the break. This fascinating character study of the life of Elijah the prophet will both inspire and challenge your Christian faith. Join Pastor Bob Yandian for this in-depth 16-lesson series, which will take you on a journey of constant change. Follow Elijah from the brook of Kareth to calling down fire from heaven, then running in fear from Jezebel, hiding in fear alone in a cave, and in the end, with the appearance of horses and chariots of fire, Elijah is taken to heaven in a whirlwind. In studying the life of Elijah, we find many important topics to learn from, including faith, persistence, repentance, miracles, prayer, and overcoming fear. To order The Life of Elijah, visit our website at bobyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
Hello and welcome back. You know, for the rest of this broadcast and also into the next broadcast, dealing with this particular subject about speaking out about sin, doing it before your church, then uh, and also before the world, I'm taking up the life of Elijah. And so this is a great teaching on Elijah because we're gonna talk about how that uh, Elijah had to stand up before the king, King Ahab, and also Queen Jezebel and let them know exactly what God had to say. This is a flash drive, you'll be blessed by it. I highly recommend, say it over and over again, I highly recommend the best place to listen to a flash drive is in your car. You know, turn off the uh, country music, turn off the uh, classic rock and turn off the talk radio where they just say the same things over and over and over, sing the same things over and over again and fill it with the word of God. Believe me, that 20 minute, 30 minute drive to your office and back can be the best time where you're listening to the word of God. In fact, you might get so excited, you fail to see the light turn green and somebody has to honk behind you and get you going. They think you're talking on a cell phone when all the time you got your eyes closed going, glory to God, that was great, great stuff. You're gonna learn and be blessed in your car. So again, I highly recommend that when you get that, that's the best place to listen to it. You'll be blessed by it. Let's talk about again, uh, we're gonna go to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. We're gonna talk here about the warning given to Elijah because this is the time, this time, right? here in Elijah's life. He has already stood before the king at the opening of his ministry and announced to him that for the next three and a half years, it's not going to rain as a judgment from God, that God is going to hold back blessings for them and that, you know, they need to repent. If they want to stop this three and a half year deal, all that the king need to do is stand up and say, we're following God. I repent of the direction we have gone, chasing after idols. And Jezebel might have thrown a fit, but he just basically says, sit down, Jezebel. I'm the king. We're going to go and do this because it's right before God. And I can tell you this probably by the next day, maybe by that afternoon, they'd have heard thunder for the first time in a long time and rain would have come. So there's just something about, you know, serving God and following God that even blesses your surroundings around you, affects the life around you. But of course, it starts with your own heart to say it in your own heart. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. So 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 10 says this, and here we have Obadiah the prophet talking to Elijah about what's going on behind the scenes with King Ahab and Queen Jezebel and about an edict that's gone out to chase him down and find him in 1 Kings 18.10. As the Lord your God lives, Obadiah says to Elijah, there is no nation or kingdom. My master has not sent someone to hunt for you. When they have said he is not here, then he takes an oath from that kingdom or nation that they could not find you. Not only does he not believe them when they said, we haven't seen him, not at all. He said, you take an oath from them, make them swear that they have not found you. So King Ahab's life was tormented because number one, he was married to Jezebel. You read much about Jezebel, you'll understand why. I'm glad people don't name their kids Jezebel anymore. Maybe there is. If you're named Jezebel, pardon me, forgive me. Don't write me an evil letter, okay? Uh, maybe again, let's go on from there, okay? He was married to Jezebel. Number two was Elijah was the prophet of God and he was speaking out against Ahab in every section of Israel. Elijah had prophesied no rain for three and a half years, and they're in the midst of it right now. 
Elijah, during that time, even though Ahab hated him, Jezebel despised him, she even sent a letter to him telling him she was going to have his life and she was going to send assassins after him. Elijah still won the hearts of the people of Israel. They loved Elijah and they loved the fact that he stood up for righteousness. Ministers, I know you fear what's going on in our nation and oftentimes you fear society, what they might think of you. But let me tell you, you're not out to please anybody but God and the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, but next of all, your congregation. You say, well, there's people threatening to quit our church because I get onto political issues. Let them threaten to quit because the other 98% are going to tell you, thank you for opening up and telling us what's going on in our nation right now. What is right or what is wrong? In other words, I don't hate the nation. I hate the evil that's in the nation. I don't hate people, I pray for them. Pray for our president, pray for vice president, congressmen, senators. I pray for the Supreme Court, these leaders that we have right down to the local levels in my own state, in my own city, in my own section of the city. I pray for those that are in authority, not because I hate the people. No, I pray for them because I hate sin and I hate perversion. And just like Peter on that on the day of Pentecost, preaching that sermon about the perversion that was in his own nation, he said that, you know, God's desires to change that and he will by simple faith in Jesus Christ. And first of all, giving your life to him. Elijah has come out of hiding now and standing before Obadiah, the prophet. I wanna say that again. It's now coming close to the time he's going going to call down rain from heaven, but he's going to have a demonstration first of the power of God and the repentance of the people when they all fall down in front of him. Thousands of people fall down. Thousands of people came down for this, for this confrontation of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, of the religion of Baal versus God himself. And of course, you know what's going to happen. God's going to win through Elijah. And of course, when Elijah called down the fire from heaven and it came down and it devoured the uh, sacrifice, it licked up the water in the altar, and then he killed the prophets of Baal. All those people fell down in front of him, 480 prophets of Baal. He killed right there in front of them. And of course, by doing that, exposed the powerless of the religion that they had been serving and walking after the idols. So again, in that case, they fell down and they began to worship God. And they also fell down in reverence before Elijah. And Elijah now knows that's going to come, knows there's going to be a confrontation, doesn't know all the outcome of it, but he's been hiding for all this time. And now he comes out of hiding. And again, Obadiah tells him this. Here's the interesting thing. Elijah has come out of hiding and now faces the king in person. He tells Obadiah to tell the king he is back. Obadiah told Elijah that Ahab had sent trained assassins to every nation to hunt him down, to hunt Elijah, and they could not find him. To be sure, they were telling the truth. They took an oath from before King Ahab, and then that they said they could not find Elijah. They swore to these uh, to these spies that had been sent out, we can't find him. And we, even before you, we swear to this fact. You go tell King Ahab, we swore on the names of our gods, on what's valuable to us, that we have not seen him. Here's the point. Elijah was not hiding anywhere. He was not in caves. He was not hiding in somebody's house. He was not pulling the shades down. I got a, a letter from a man the other day. 
and uh, from this broadcast. And he said, would you pray? He said, the times we're living in, he said, man, things are changing so fast. I want to stay at home and pull the shades down and get on my couch and just, you know, and stay there and wait for Jesus to come back. Now, listen, I believe Jesus has come back, but the Bible says that we're to occupy till he comes. Well, what do you mean occupy? Win souls. This is what our occupation is. Jesus left us here to win souls and make disciples of all nations. Not only get them saved, but get them following Jesus. Not only get their spirit born again, where the Holy Spirit lives in them, but the renewing of the mind comes next. This is where salvation takes place. And this is where discipleship takes place. The renewing of the mind, replacing the mind of Bob with the mind of Christ, putting the word of God in there where I think and act on the word of God. That when any decision comes to me, the first thing I look for is scriptures. There's a scripture that tells me which way to go. If there's not a scripture and I still don't know which way to go, Holy Spirit, begin to point me in the right direction. At least give me peace about a certain right direction that I should go in. So Elijah loved his country, but he hated what Ahab and Jezebel and Satan had done to Israel. When Elijah saw Ahab and Jezebel dismantling the country, given to them by God, given to the people of God by God, he was enraged. We should be too. A nation that God helped raise up, that God worked in, we're now seeing taken and dismantled in front of us. We ought to be enraged. But I can tell you this, the main thing Elijah did was kept pointing back to God, pointing back to the God of Israel. The fact that they needed to give their life to him or now they've given their life to him, give their days to him, their mind to him, their thoughts to him. In other words, give every waking moment to the Lord himself. It's not a one shot thing where we get saved. We never have to do anything after that. Salvation is the door way that God ushers us through to help us now to begin to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, and truly become Christians. Christians are little Jesuses to where when Satan looks at us, he sees the same power, the same message that Jesus Christ himself had. Elijah left the brook, which was drying up because of the curse he had placed on the land that he was called to be a prophet in. Elijah ended up as a guest in the home of a widow and her son. The Lord performed a miracle and the meal and the oil did not fail until the time of the drought had ended. And next he raised a little boy from the dead. What am I saying? Elijah couldn't be found by these men that went out everywhere chasing him, but Elijah was not trying not to be found. Elijah was just simply living his life. He was living with a woman and her son in a house. They gave him a guest bedroom in the back. She made food for him. He used it there to study and his ministry would go out from there and come back from there. But all I'm saying, he just kept living his life normal. What am I saying? Quit hiding in your closet. Quit hiding in your in your living room. Quit pulling the shade down. Quit hiding in there and shaking all over, waiting for Jesus to come back. I'm simply telling you, Elijah lived his life. He was in the house. He was outside the house. He was ministering. He was doing all these things, but Elijah was not trying to hide. But here's the point. Elijah lived for the Lord and the Lord hid him. In other words, Elijah was hiding in plain sight. And here at the end of this time, I mean, people would probably walk by him on the streets and didn't even couldn't even tell it was Elijah or didn't even know it was Elijah. Or maybe they didn't even see Elijah. God hid him from them. Elijah was just living out there and not trying to hide, but yet no one could find him. I'm simply saying this. If you're going to live for the Lord, live for the Lord. Quit trying to do it from secrecy, from hiding. Get out there and be a Christian among them on the streets. Because in the days of, of the New Testament, especially after the day of Pentecost, the 
the people still went out. They still ministered. They still laid hands on the sick and they still, again, gave the message of salvation. They gave the gospel to the world and people started getting saved. And from there, they took it around the world. I mean, the church at Jerusalem was was moving down a certain direction and some left there and they went over and started another church in Antioch, which became the central leadership place and place where they launched out disciples into the Gentile world. And Paul and Barnabas based themselves there and their missionary journeys around the world went from there and came back to there. We find again that Paul, none of them tried to hide from anybody, could easily be found if it was time for them to be found or God needed for them to be found so they can spread the gospel to even those in high government. It simply comes back to this. You keep following God and even in plain sight, you're not gonna be found. Elijah ended up as a guest in the house of this widow. The Lord performed miracles through him and next he even raised the boy from the dead. I'm sure the news went everywhere. Elijah should have by this time had a national ministry. Israel could use someone to multiply grain and oil in this time that with the uh, drought was going on, but the whole thing came back to it. Elijah just kept serving God and the time for his public display would come. We'll continue this tomorrow. Have a great day. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.